Jazz David, Dan the Weatherman, with a maybe caveat on the whole calling your in-laws mom and dad thing. So my wife was born in Peru, and she immigrated here as a teenager. So she calls her mom mommy and poppy. So when she calls my mom and dad, you know, mom and dad, it really doesn't mean the same thing to her. So should there be a caveat for immigrants on this barrel or no? Or should I divorce this weirdo and find someone who calls my dad his granny given name at Dave? Uh, thank you so much and keep up the work. I'll leave it to you. <laughs> oh, I love our listeners so very much. Uh, yeah, I was thinking as he was talking, there may be a carve out full on caveat for women in general. Uh, though it is a little creepy when you have. I mean, yeah, no, he's, she's fine. I'm going to say immigrants are fine. Uh, but I'm also going to say uh, that if she starts calling Dave, his father, daddy, then he should divorce her. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that yeah. would be weird. <laughs> there was, well, so I was, yeah. Cultural, there's always cultural caveats. Of course, we are so Southern California centric that that's its own culture. We can't even speak for all of America, even though we pretend to. Um, so there, it almost goes without saying that there is cultural caveats. However, the caveat within the caveat is if she does start saying something weird, like, hey, daddy, then you have to correct that. There's ones that need to be corrected. There, that's so true. That is not only true, but also if she starts calling Dave daddy, then I think there may be, uh, there may be shenanigans afoot. Ooh, so it's not an accident. It's intentional. I think so. I I would, I would assume so in any case. Yeah. Then, then divorce the weirdo. That's where he comes in. (laughs) Divorce the weirdo and dispatch dad too. Yep. I don't know if you can divorce your parents, but yes. Um, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, we speak with such conviction during barrel or not. And then immediately the next week, we're always backpedaling out of it. (laughs) Although the one thing that applies to everything is if you can surf great, all is forgiven. So if she happens to be an incredible surfer, she can call him whatever her in-laws, whatever they want, call her own parents, whatever they want, call him daddy. It's all good. Doesn't matter. does not matter. If she's got like a ripping top turn, a Chianka style top turn, then she's Mm. good to go. 100% that applies to every barrel or not. Um, So, you know, the brand of the show is irreverent, but occasionally we touch on moments of poignancy and seriousness I have a sobering, somber call that I want to play for you if you're uh, up for it. I'm up for it. You're up for it. Okay. Do you remember Drummer Dave? Sure do. Of course. How could you forget, right? Drummer Dave has provided some of the most um, hilarious listener kind of feedback. Drummer Dave started emailing us. I looked back in the records. It was 2018 was the first time I got an email from Drummer Dave. Um. Among his hit greatest hits, he, well, I'll read the first one to you after this call, but among the greatest hits were a brothel call. There was yep. another, there was another call about him and his buddies Ripper in the Shroud in Waikiki when they pulled the fire alarm, they went to go meet some chicks in a building that were like shouting at them from, you know, a certain floor. So they counted how many floors up, how many windows over, then took the elevator up and knocked on their door and tried to get in. It didn't go well. He ended up peeing on the girl's door, pulling the fire alarm. It was created a bunch of melee in Waikiki, if you remember that call. Then a couple years went by, maybe a year or two went by that we didn't hear from him. And he called back to talk about having colon cancer and that yes. whole journey. So 
It was quite the journey with drummer Dave. Anyways, here is the latest update. Hey guys, um, I was calling to uh, let you know that one of your uh, callers, contributors to your show that you've had on uh, a few times, his name is Drummer Dave, has died. Uh, he was the best friend of mine. We grew up together. Um, I think he referred to me in one of your episodes where he told the story. I think he referred to me as the Ripper, uh, along with a friend of ours named Schroeder. And uh, he told a funny story about that. Anyway, um, I wanted to let you guys know that uh, Dave has been suffering with uh, colon cancer for the last few years, a couple of years. Uh, we both live here in Huntington Beach, grew up here. He's 57, I'm 57, and he died yesterday at 9.45 a.m. Uh, complications from the, uh, the cancer for a long time. And uh, that's it. Um, you could, if you want to see uh, anything about him, He's uh he's on Facebook and um, I probably shouldn't leave his name so I, I won't do that but I I was going through his phone returning some of the text messages that he had and I came across your number in his phone list I was going to call some of his other friends to let him know that he had passed away and I saw Sure Splendor in here and I thought oh, yeah I should probably call you guys to let let you know that Dave uh, Dave has left the building anyway um. That is it for me. Uh, thanks much for the show. We appreciate it. We used to get together uh, every week and sit around and kind of chat about the show. And um, and we're always criticizing Chaz for uh, saying David Lee scales over and over again. I think that should be a barrel or not. Saying somebody's first, middle, and last name every time you address them. Barrel or not. Uh, I, I say not. David Lee Scales, how was your weekend? David Lee Scales, did you go surfing? David Lee Scales, how was the wedding? David Lee Scales, come on, man. It's just David, Chaz. But uh, on a on a uh, good point, because Chaz always seems to like us to uh, end on an upbeat point. Chaz, your book, Welcome to Paradise, I, I thought it was an awesome book. We both read it, both myself and uh, drummer Dave, and uh, we dug it. Thanks so much, guys. Love the show. Take care. How about that? A real tear in the eye right there, David Lee Scales. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, a crazy, tear. right? Yeah, but also, I mean, as you're right, poignant. I mean, as sad as it is, uh, it also, I mean, life is short, right? And that's always a, a fine memory, I think. Um, life is short, but also what we've, like, this is all family. And I think when bad stuff happens uh, or sad stuff happens or tragedy strikes, that's when you, I think, or at least when I remember what a family this little surf world is, right? Like where we poke and make fun and cajole and laugh and all that. And that's all great. And I lo love doing that every day. But also the, like, it is a, it is a family. It's a tight knit little community. And I feel so honored to be part of it. And yeah, Godspeed, Drummer Dave. Thank you so very much for the laugh, laughs. And thank you, uh, Ripper, for <laughs> like taking the time out to both do Drummer Dave justice and to, uh, yeah, like just remembering Drummer Dave puts a smile on my face.
Me too. It adds what everything that you're saying, those things add the weight and the gravity to the work and to the show and make it feel actually worthwhile because otherwise it feels really frivolous. We run so fast week to week that I actually don't even appreciate and fully acknowledge so many of the relationships that do develop. I mean, literally we stop recording the show and it's like done with this week, rush on to next week. Emails come through, listener line calls come through. At some point I sort through them, but really quickly prepping for the show, publish the show, boom, move to the next week, you know? And so there's no time to reflect until something like this. And then you realize kind of this substantial weight of all of it cumulatively. And um, we have, we have forged important relationships through the show that's, you know and these people important. have become characters that are friends of ours essentially totally i mean dj seaweed drummer totally. Dave, like i mean go on and on and on and on devin howard stinking devin howard like just yeah the, the relationships built through this show with both listeners and just the community is is something yeah you're exactly right i don't probably say it or reflect on it enough, but it is sitting here reflecting on it now. Thank you all. A hundred percent. And it um, so much of this is delivered in jest or so much of what we do is delivered in jest, but let's not forget drummer Dave, a big part of his storyline was a PSA for getting colonoscopies for middle-aged yep. men. You know, that was the, when he emailed back in 2020 after not hearing from him for a year, he said, you guys on the show were talking about some celebrities who had recently died and kind of reflecting on how, uh, you know, quickly things can change in people's lives. Well, I wanted to bring you up to speed on my personal story. And it was all about him having a scare, ending up in the hospital. And it was a PSA to all of us to not let these things or be preventative about things like that, you know? So this we'll use today's show as an additional reminder go get a colonoscopy. If you are a middle-aged male, it is high time. Take care of yourself. Be there for your family as long as you possibly can. And uh, yeah, preventative maintenance can solve and prevent a lot of that. Do it in honor of Drummer Dave. There you go. Uh, and also, real quick with the barrel or not though, uh, Ripper, if you happen to be named after, named after David Lee Roth, then you get your full name pronounced every single time. And you can't just say, I mean, I do sometimes occasionally say David Lee, but I feel that people don't call David Lee Roth, David Lee. They call him David or Dave. They call him David Lee Roth mm -hmm. all the time, right? It all is one part and parcel. So yeah, there you go, Ripper. Well, there's certain names that just go together, you know, like they, it, it sounds better with all three for some yep. reason, you know? Yep. So I accept that. I never, um, promoted it. But then I think on Instagram, I published it that way. And then that I think maybe solidified it and people started referring to me that way. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'll also say about this call. Um, it came through at the end of February, I think February 27th. And the way the listener line works, it's a Google uh, line, like they have Google voice, I think it's called. And they send me an email of a transcription, which is only partially right. Like the transcription is never fully accurate, but I can usually get kind of a preview of the call via email before I ever listen to it. So I kind of know what the call is going to be about. So I got an email one night and it was this, and I just read the first few lines and immediately turned off my phone. Like I was like, I don't have the emotional capacity right now to fully dive into this call and address 
what this is. And so I literally did not listen to the call for the last two weeks. And I felt bad. Like I want to do Dave justice. And I want, I really appreciate the Ripper obviously calling and giving us kind of a bookend on Dave's storyline. But I was like, I'm not emotionally ready to like dive in to what yeah. this is to the show and what it means to us. But I finally did listen to it this week. And that's why we're addressing it now. Um, but also in honor of uh, drummer Dave, because his stories were incredible. I wanted to go back and read the very first story that he sent to us. He said, hi, David Lee. Yes. <laughs> this, no was sent, this was November, 2018. He said, hi, David Lee. I listened to your surf ranch pod yesterday as well as the pod with Chaz, where you described your Waco trip. I must admit, I got it got me stoked enough to start researching in order to plan a trip to Waco. I want to try it out for sure, but I can't help but shake the feeling that it's kind of like cheating. You pay money and you get your waves. You even described how you would never get a wave that perfect in nature. So if you can get it at Surf Ranch, uh, but you can get it at Surf Ranch if you want. And I agree with that, but it's kind of like prostitution. I actually went to a legal whorehouse outside of Reno one time just to try it out. And I had just to have the experience. And you know what? I got to pick a girl way hotter than anyone that I would ever get naturally in real life. I paid my money and I got my ride. Was it fun? Hell yes, it was fun. Did it feel funny? Hell yes, it felt funny. I can't even claim that I got a hot chick or I can't really even claim that I got a chick that hot. I mean, I paid for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a scumbag and surfers are the worst. So I'll manage to push through it, LOL. But deep down, I know I paid for it directly, so I can't really brag about it. <laughs> drummer Dave. Classic. Well, yeah. Via con Dios, Drummer yeah. Dave. One more that I never read on air, but I went was going through my emails from him and I came across this. As it relates to last week, we were talking about Kaloe and Dino. Yes. And he said, back in the day when D I guess it, Dino and Dino had come up in a previous show back years ago. And so he sent this email in. He said, back in the day when Dino and Dino was a hot commodity, I worked at Victory Wetsuits. I was the shipping guy and the iron on logo guy, which by default made me the team wetsuit guy. Back then guys would get paid uh, if they got a picture in the magazine showing the logo. So the team guys would come in and they would ask us to iron on the logo on a part of the wetsuit that they thought they would that it would be visible in the picture. Dino came in to get a suit and he was waiting for me to do the logos. So he decided that he would go into the break room and help himself to something to eat out of the refrigerator. It was obviously for employees only. And the unwritten rule, of course, in any workspace is that you do not touch anyone else's lunch. Well, Dino just dug in. All the people that worked in the warehouse were basically Chinese immigrants who worked in the gluing section or the sewing sections. And I could see that they were freaking out while watching Dino gorge their lunch. I tried to tell Dino not to do it, but he was just clueless and didn't seem to get it. I wouldn't want to accuse him of being high or anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me. I told the boss about it and they just swept it under the rug because he was a team writer. I felt, or, but it's, always left a bad taste in my mouth for Dino ever since then. And I actually find myself holding resentments against Kaloe for the sins of his father. LOL. That is an, that is an absolutely epic email. <laughs> totally awesome. Dino, Dino eating Chinese immigrants lunch and Trevor <laughs> Dave being pissed at Kaloe to this day because 
really it's good. true though that those the sins of the father get passed down to the son it's like a totally. biblical principle dude. it is totally true well look at i mean maybe that's why Kalo has never won oh maybe man. this may be the curse of dino right here so here we go thank you drummer dave for this gift and unfortunately now that you've passed this gift we are going to pay it forward to Kalo and dino all Kalo has to do to win an event is like buy a ton of lunches for chinese immigrants somewhere like working factory like pull up a food truck in front of some you know i don't i don't even know what business chinese immigrants are working in these days but pull up a food truck free lunch that day Kalohe, you win i i I don't know that God is really gender specific when it comes to things like this. I have a feeling if Chloe and Dino just feeds people, like go to the soup kitchen and just help out and feed the homeless. I think that God would. Alapon, uh, you don't, you don't think I it think has he to would be balance Chinese, the scales. You don't think it has to be Chinese immigrants working in a wetsuit factory. I, if I was Kalohe, I would not risk it and just be as specific as I could. I would go okay. Chinese immigrants. Downtown LA. Factory, downtown LA. Okay, maybe oh, so he has to go. Does he? Have, well, they're not immigrants if he goes internationally because most wetsuit factories are not local. It's true, but uh, there's got to be one, right, or a couple. Maybe. I mean, for sure. Coral, like, or, or, is Coral Reef still around? Uh, remember Coral Reef? I had a dive wetsuit from Coral Reef. Uh, of course, I remember Coral Reef. Well, um, I was going to say go downtown LA. There's lots of uh, textile industry there. There's lots of sewing in downtown LA. Maybe that would be the place. What about Ho Stevie wetsuits? Oh yeah, Ho Stevie. Are they made locally or do they just have their thing branded on them? I hope they're made. We're going to check that out. I got a Ho Stevie wetsuit. I'm about to take it for a test run. Ho Stevie has reached out a couple of times to the show. Yeah, I got a Ho Stevie. Ho Stevie reached out to me and said, hey, I heard you guys talking about testing wetsuits out. I'm game. And I said, fantastic. I will give an honest review. So review on Ho Stevie wetsuits coming up. In the, meantime, in the meantime, if host Evie, reach out again. If you produce in the United States, hit us up. We'll send Kolohe down with food truck and he'll feed your office. Well, what's the ethnicity of his sewing team, first of all? That's what you have to find out too. I mean, okay, yeah, this, has, this does have to be specific. For it to break the curse, I mean, imagine, this is a big curse that's going to break. So it, I really think it has to be Chinese immigrants, domestic wetsuit factory. Kolohe and Dino's career ri- revitalized thanks to drummer Dave. I mean, can you imagine? Poor drummer Dave, though. But I guess he could feel good. I guess the grudge, yeah. he, he doesn't have to hold that grudge in the afterlife anymore. Uh, rest like easy. Is, yeah, re- he can rest in peace, legitimately. Yeah. Good work, drummer Dave. Yeah. Um, he also would send me emails often that uh, they would have, <laughs> they just have a subject line. And then you open the email and there'd be like one sentence that, uh, was a continuation of the subject line. And then that was it. And they would just sign off with drummer Dave. One of them said, uh, the subject line said, is it time to cancel this? And I opened the email and it was just a picture of chief firewater wax remover. Do you remember that? <laughs> totally. Oh man. Well, wow. I can't believe that we haven't talked about uh, wax remover on the show. I know we haven't. And she firewater. It's like, yeah, that, I mean, does it even still exist? Do we need to cancel it? I mean, I don't feel a need to cancel it, but she doesn't still exist anyways. That is such a great one. Drummer Dave just dishing it up. And then another one, we must've been talking about Eric Logan, but, or I think Eric Logan, when he first got on, uh, brought, was brought on to the WSL, but the subject line just said Oprah. And then I opened the email and it said, 
is a Phil Donahue ripoff exclamation point. That was it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't know. I think she surpassed Donahue. And at the moment that she entered the market, she was doing what Donahue was, but I'm pretty sure she established her own, <laughs> her own identity. It's <laughs> really good stuff. I know. I know. So yeah, shout out drummer Dave, you will be missed. And, um, Thank you so much to, of course, uh, the Ripper. I would be down if the Shroud wants to call in too. Definitely, the Sh- Ripper and the Shroud should both call in together. I know. Um, another little follow up from last week, uh, kind of neither here nor there, but somebody was talking about nepotism. Husband Nepo Chaz is what the email mm-hmm. said. Great about that guy who called in and was like, "Didn't the whole Ashton Goggins thing yeah. because of?" My buddy was like or the guy who wrote in said nepotism has nothing to do with who earns more. Obviously it's about earned access. So let's not confuse this. He said, that said, my wife earns the bread for us and I'm essentially retired. It's basically like being a husband, uh, housewife, but reversed and has, and it's more awesome because, uh, I just get to focus on my artistic pursuits. It's ideal for a surfer, but it's moderately stigmatized and it doesn't have an awesome moniker. So I was thinking we need to rebrand house husband. I mean, we could rebrand housewife too, because that's also not really an awesome moniker. So if anybody has any ideas for how to rebrand house husband, housewife, we need a cool moniker for it. Great idea. Totally down with this program for rebranding. Yeah. Why, why does house have to be part of either of it? Does, doesn't have to be part. No, doesn't. And a lot of people don't even live in a house. Condo wife, condo husband, townhouse wife, townhouse husband. Yeah, come on. Let's figure out something new. I'm I'm 100% down with this. Yeah, I'm not savvy enough to come up with something on the spot, but anybody wants to call in, put your thinking cap on, call in, let us know. Uh, another quick email came through and said, David and Chaz, I'm no psychologist, but after hearing Chaz's dissertation about the natural selection event, I couldn't help but feel that I had just witnessed surf journalism history in real time in that passionate diatribe against a quote professional surfing organization who is fledgling despite acquiring a ladder company sponsorship i believe i heard chaz's heart shrink three sizes that day has he found his grit again answer yes chaz is back keep it up fellas loving it thank you chris in new york yeah i was really like my frustration with the world surf league has continued to bubble and boil since then. It's really, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I get like, I wake up feeling gritty, feeling anger. What's it centered around? Just how dumb everything is just how stupid Eric Logan and Jesse Miley Dyer are and Mm -hmm. thinking that they are like building this thing and and they truly do, right? They have convinced themselves. They have full on like Eric's latest post with the uh, claiming 50,000 people on the beach, which I think Derek did a great job puncturing. Did you see that? Okay, yes. I swear to you, I was going to text you last night those exact screenshots. And then I'm like, I'm just going to save it for the show. Let's Let's not spoil any of the energy via text. Let's do it on the show. So what did Derek write and say? Okay, so it was claimed on the show, and then Eric Logan also posted it on Instagram, right, Of that there was 50,000 people watching the event. Now, to Eric's credit, I suppose, he wasn't as specific as, uh, wait, can I go turn on a French lesson and come right back? Yes, I don't go to, for it. I don't want to we'll cut this brand off. Yeah, no, go do dad work. We'll cut to commercial now, and we'll come back with the rest of this. Okay, story. Ooh, so people get, this is going to be a, uh, a teaser for a rant. Okay, perfect. 
<laughs> That's how you go to commercial. Yep. <laughs> Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Number of people on the beach. You ready? You ready? Okay. So number of people on the beach, uh, which again, Eric teased as 50,000 people. So I don't know if he was saying right then or if he was saying, uh, you know, over the course of the whatever the event. There's I mean, there's no way he was saying over the course of the event. He was meeting right then, which like it was patently ridiculous to look at that photo. Sorry, I ran upstairs, <laughs> catching the breath. Uh, it was patently ridiculous to look at that photo and think 50,000 people. Derek did a great job of explaining what 50,000 people is. And then with that photo, right? There was maximum 3,000 people on the beach, right? Maximum. Yes. yes. Maximum. To call that- 50, I, I was saying five would be generous. Five would be crazy. If he yeah, said 5,000, I would almost be having this same rant. Uh, 50,000 is so patently absurd as to be laughable, but that's all he and Jesse Miley are doing. And then at the end of his thing, his Instagram, all caps, the momentum is real, right? Where his belief, Eric Logan's belief that this momentum, this like bald face, lying, idiotic things that people don't care about momentum is making surfing great right he is so deluded in this and again i don't think that surfing is failing uh i don't think the world surfing is failing i don't think that they're necessarily you know i don't even doubt that they're growing as both an organization and with viewership and whatever who cares about any of that the product is still not great uh and you're serving people up things that's like completely beneath what it could be right you're they're serving up such lukewarm mush regularly it's uh as good as surfing as can be right the surfers are great nothing against them but in really 
uh, subpar waves and it's really a subpar show. When you think of what a show can be, and we've been, I think, uh, what? We've accepted what it is, but it's not anything half as good as it could be. On like even the, I think, least inventive person could come up with both a way to showcase this and places to showcase it better than what the World Surf League does. Um, I want to get back to the numbers, but I'll address exactly what you said right there first. There's been three good days of competition out of three events. Yeah. So, and, and those three events are not three days, right? Those no, no, no. There's been 15 the- days of competition total. Yeah. And they've and run three, three events at three different locations with all of the, uh, you know, time and expense and resource and all that to move and set up these events, fly people around the world. They had three good days of competition and not even three full good days, to be perfectly honest. And so it highlights exactly what we've been saying all along, which is be more nimble, have fewer people on tour, have those three good days of competition. Just don't waste 12 days of everybody's time and energy and resource, right? And so, and you would be able to get a very interested, engaged crowd there on the beach for those three days, you know? So yes, everything you're saying is accurate, but they, I think what Eric does every single time is point at the success, like in that, in this day, this bloated event of four crappy days of like unwatchable days, frankly, I I tried to watch. I couldn't. Yeah. It was, it was some of the most unwatchable surfing, professional surfing that I've seen. And I can't even remember how long it was awful. Totally. And the commentators themselves saying, this looks like a morning warm up session at T street at me at like crappy closed out T street. That's what Pete Mellon, a Kaipo said during the event uh, and world class talents being, you know, Kelly Slater getting washed out, John, John Florence getting washed out because they're surfing in conditions that don't allow them an opportunity to do their world-class surfing. So that's really what Eric should be held account for, but he's not, he's able to point at Caleb Robson's 10 and be like, look at this incredible moment we produced. And it's like, well, yeah, dude, if you have all this money and all this time just to produce that, that's actually not doing your job. That's a <laughs> disservice to everybody. It's a waste of all the money. And you saying right now, I'm not questioning whether there's growth, whether there's blah, blah, blah. You should be because there isn't. The, the WSL is still losing money. The investors are still writing checks to cover the losses of the World Surf League as of 2022. So- 1000%, but but like, I don't care about that either way, right? I don't care about surfing as a business. You, Professional don't, surfing. you don't, but the CEO and the people running should be held accountable for those exact things. Definitely. I mean, Eric Eric Logan is a loser of a CEO. I mean, he is straight up, right? That thing is not profitable. Sure, maybe it's growing. Like, I don't know. And it would be impossible to know. It's anyway. growing from less loss if from a- Significant loss to slightly less significant loss. Let's sure. Say. And so whatever. If, and if Eric has, and the team, you know, the team in Santa Monica has projected, you know, that they're finally going to get out of the red into the black uh, at some time in five years or whatever. Great. Like, I don't give two shoots if the NBA is making billions of dollars, if NFL is making billions of dollars, et cetera, et cetera, right? They're not putting that on me as a fan either. They're not, right. I don't see Adam Silver saying, Instagramming out, biggest growth, the momentum is real. Right. Da, 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 right. da, da. He, he knows that me as a fan care about the product on the court. 
So that's where he keeps the focus. Logan, as an idiot, keeps the focus on himself. And Jesse Miley Dyer, as twin chief idiot, keeps the focus on herself of going to Austin, for example, to talk about the business of surfing or this growth, right? All of this stuff that who cares? Who cares as a surf fan? The product you're giving me is not good. And yeah. if you tell me that that's a good product, then you've got a major malfunction. Completely. And I think that the pointing at the 51,000 fans on the beach is actually misdirection. It's like a classic charlatan move of don't talk about whether this event made money. Don't talk about whether it was running crappy conditions. Look at how many people show up. We're huge fans of you. Thank you, people of Portugal, for showing up. Um, so in the post, you said that Derek published it on Instagram, but he didn't write an article on Beach no, about no, it, did Derek he? wrote an article on Beach about it. I swear to you, I thought that he did because I heard somebody say something about it. So I went to look for it this morning and I just must have missed it. I think it was four deep or six deep or something. Okay. Okay. I'll go back and find it. Yeah. Because I I honestly, last night sitting on the sofa, saw Eric's, uh, Eric Logan, not Derek, but Eric Logan's Instagram. And I screenshotted it and it said to all my quote friends who want to comment and talk about the numbers, I'd like to offer this PSA. First of all, him putting friends in quote, whether he's talking about- Scott, Oh, I didn't see this one. This oh yeah. Okay. yeah. This was last night. Okay. So la yesterday morning, Scott Bass and I did talk about this as well. I just referenced the 51,000 and said that it's totally a joke. So I don't know if Eric had listened to that podcast and then commented on, on Instagram or if he was referring to Derek's post. But my point is calling us friends, quote, as if we were ever friends in the first place. And now we're not friends. Yeah. We were never friends in the first place. Like we've met, we're very cordial. And I like him as a human being. Never once asked about my wife and kids. Never once had a meal with him. Never once were friends. So don't put it in quotes as if we used to be friends and now we're not friends anymore. We had no friendly obligation to one another. We're both running separate business entities and holding each other or, you know, referencing one another and holding each other to account to a certain extent. But that's not friends. You know That's what I mean? Amazing. So, so anyways, this says to all my quote friends who want to comment and talk about the numbers, I'd like to offer this PSA. If you want to dispute the fact that there was 51,000 people on the beach, I'll offer you this. And he, so that's one screen. He swipes over to the next screen and it says, huge shout out to Portugal friends, fans. And he has photos, aerial photos of the people on the beach. And then at the bottom says, thank you for your attention. As if this is validating is 51,000 people. What is, so, what is it? What's so, the picture of how is the, it just like the, more people, more than 3000 people? It's about 5,000. It's probably the same picture that you were talking about earlier. So I screenshot of both these. Cause I'm like, that does not look like 51,000 people to me, but who am I? I don't know. So I Google, what does 50,000 people look like? Yeah. And Google pulls up a bunch of imagery and it's like, some rappers concert, 50,000 people in attendance, a full stadium at a football game, 50,000 people in attendance. It is all literally five to 10 times more than this. <laughs> and, I, and now I'm at the point where I'm like, can I go on freelancer.com and hire somebody just to count the number of people in this photo right now, just so I can put this to bed. And I'm not going to go through that effort because now it just feels catty. No, but let's do it. it. It's nowhere. I mean, these photos that he published and wrote, thank you for your attention. Please, it, please send those to me. Is less than 5,000 people guaranteed i would bet I mean, money on it about fifty-one thousand, like no question but less than five thousand. but i mean yeah, that's the whole thing though and this is herein lies the the wackiness that lives between eric logan's ears is like i have and i've never really doubted oh that's not true i think he believes 
what he says a bunch of the time. I don't know what percentage of the time. Like he's a he's a proper flim flam man, I think. And I think he'll convince himself of something to convince you of something, right? So this yeah, momentum is real. Like he wakes up, and I have no doubt, wakes up hyped on the business growth of the world surf league what he and otherwise yeah like what he and jesse miley and the team is doing right to grow this thing and i'm sure eric feels that full-on like paternal lameness of like you know feeding a lot of families with this like patting himself on the back while all of this production team you know i'm this is great and you know not that it's dirk ziff's billions that are still you know just getting shoveled out to it all fine and good. I don't care either way, but for Eric Logan to push out business growth as the reason to get up and excited about for a surf fan, just give me a day of surfing. That's not painful to watch. It's a great point. And, and he did give you one day, you know, finals day in Portugal and one day at sunset that was like roping from across the reef, like the hole from that point to the inside. One day at pipeline this or half a day at pipeline this year. I mean, it all, it all like that's the thing. And I, and I suppose back to natural selection, when you witness core people who actually care about the product, really only about the product and throw best snowboards in the world onto crazy terrain, then it's one day start to finish of like hair raising craziness. Uh, surfing, on the other hand, succeeds only in spite of itself. Like there's great surfers who given the odd chance that a wave rolls through, there's going to be a great performance. But I think Logan has himself convinced that he's the reason it's succeeding. That's yeah, what's making yeah. it awesome. That's what's, well, if you just look at the track record of what he set out to do each year, and then at the end of the year, it doesn't happen. And so he has to close the studios and move on and have a new focus next year. And then he has to revamp the tour because that didn't work. So now he's presenting this all the while claiming the the growth and the successes. And it's like, no, let's just look back at the track record. It's not successes. But here's what's also interesting is uh, there are those, so the Bethany Hamilton thing is a side story right here, right? Where you wrote this story, which was they did, it's International Women's Day during the event. And so they put out this kind of silly concept to be perfectly honest a perform not silly it's a performative, performative. Concept that all of the men are going to wear women's a woman professional woman's surfer's name on the back of their jersey cool whatever fine performative but fine uh one at least one surfer specifically but peter king commented on my instagram that there were six surfers actually who elected to wear bethany hamilton's name on the back of their jersey the wsl would not allow it because quote Bethany does not share the WSL stance on equality, end quote. So their stance on equality is everybody is welcome other than those who don't agree with us, essentially, because Bethany Hamilton published an Instagram that didn't agree with the WSL's trans policy. She didn't even say she didn't agree with it, by the way. She said, you should have these conversations. Did you ask these things to the surfers? Did you ask what the the athletes thought? No, you did not. So you should, and this should be a conversation. WSL never engaged Bethany Hamilton in a conversation. They never engaged in the conversation publicly. Instead, they just told their athletes, you're not allowed to put Bethany's name now on your jersey. So here's the problem that I have with this. I'm not taking a stance on Bethany. I'm not taking a stance on the trans policy. The problem that I have with this is it's a terrible business decision. Firstly, 
uh, this Bethany Hamilton could potentially be your greatest ally. She is the most visible female surfer on the planet, full stop, more so than Carissa Moore or any of them. Any of Argu- the arguably most visible surfer full stop. I mean, I would imagine more people know Bethany Hamilton's name around the world than know Kelly Slater's name. How many of the surfers on tour have had movies, Hollywood movies made about them? You know what I mean? So uh, that is definitely an arguable point. So rather than trying to quietly cancel her and ignoring her because she disagrees with you, engage her in the leverage that to have a conversation to elevate your awareness, the awareness of the WSL, to elevate the point that you're trying to make, to have some actual uh, growth and conclusion to the conversation rather than just having division amongst the parties. Like take any approach that would be elevate. You could use this to, uh, to leverage your own good, basically to leverage your own brand, right? But that's not done. So what this does further, and the second problem that I have with it is, the athletes who wanted to wear that now very clearly know that they're on a very different side than their employer ideologically. And that kind of puts a target on their back. They now know, hey, this person that I wanted to honor spoke up and got canceled. And I aligned with that person. So I'm now apprehensive to bite the hand that feeds me, you know? And there's not a lot of hands that feed in surfing. And so it kind of puts them into a corner that they got to shut up. They just have to shut up and play the part. So much so that you wrote an article about it and you can't even say who that surfer's name is. No, I mean- I'm talking about it now on the podcast and I don't want to say who that surfer's name is no, because I don't want to out you, them because- You get that surfer in trouble. Potentially get that surfer in trouble. This feels, not only does it feel authoritarian, it's bad for business. You know what well, I mean? Like, and it's, it's like, to me, it's one thing for, again, you said it's, it's one thing for the world surf league to have the policy they do. Right. That's one thing for the world surf league though, to, uh, then have like a political basically, because this whole idea has been politicized. Right. So have a political position on thing. Uh, and yeah, exactly. And force your surfers like, cause they could have, they could have had the policy and then maintain neutrality, you know, from a business standpoint, this is our policy, but you believe what you want to believe and we will whatever. Right. Like, but for them to even make it an issue, I don't like, and I, I suppose they would argue, uh, Hey, we're doing Bethany a favor. Bethany asked not to be included. So we're not including her. Right. She doesn't want to be associated with the brand. So we're doing, this is for her. Right. Which is all complete and utter bullocks it's totally uh yeah it's them being angry i mean it's what they did to joel tudor too right like 100 this, this taking your athletes and disagreeing with their position and so then making it personal is i don't it's ludicrous it is totally ludicrous and, and to your point exactly if i mean bethany hamilton her uh coming out and voicing her opinion about the about the trans rule change for the WSL or, or what was adopted was huge news, right? Uh, it's the kind of the news that the World Surf League, as an organization who's attempting to get eyeballs, should want, right? And there's a way to spin that where you can look good, where you're, it's not culture worry. Uh, it is, hey, you know, we're listening. There's all those stupid words they could say, right? We're yeah trying to be an ally and we're listening and we're having conversations and we're learning and we're growing and da, 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 da. like 
where and they could have put Hamilton's jerseys or Hamilton's name on whoever wanted them. And it would have been another storyline of, yeah. oh, well, look at the World Surf League and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But nope, it's head in the sand. Please go away. Well, look, if you're phoning in your job, let's say you're incompetent at your job. You just don't want to do work. And if people start pointing out the work that's not being done or how you are misdirecting, you're not doing the work and then you're misdirecting to point at a fake number to pretend like you're doing the work. And if change means that you have to do more work, then you're going to ignore all of that. And you're just going to keep misdirecting because you are phoning it in and you're being called out on it when you're, you know, or you're just incompetent and you don't understand what you were hired to do and you don't know how to grow the thing and you don't want to own up to it. You're just going to keep misdirecting. I think that's what's happening. But, but I think he, honestly, I think Logan as flim flam par excellence believes a lot of what he says. Right. So he's like, I don't get it. There's haters out there who, you know, and I guess haters going to hate, but you know, the momentum is real. It's no, Eric, the, I, the I, momentum you, is not real. No, it absolutely is not. Um, well, I wanted to play a call before we even talked about Portugal, because I think it tees up Portugal pretty well uh, and references a couple of other things that I think are important to discuss. So, Hey, this is for the grits, David and Chaz. Thought it was time for some international listener line love since we haven't heard from Hannah in a while. Longtime listener Toby from Portugal here, though not a subscriber until you guys can promise me that my five dollars won't be spent on luxury bed sheets and uh, IV drips. Instead, big shout out to AG1 forward slash surf. I haven't been sick in three years since I've been on the program, and uh, remember, people. Water first, powder second. If you're still getting lumps, you're doing it the wrong way round. Hey, by now, the Rip Curl Pro will probably be done and probably the same as it ever was. They might get one or two reasonable days and just about get away with it, but it's been pretty grim so far. As you guys never grow tired of saying, fewer surfers would mean one or two days is plenty. Funny that Portugal literally pumped every day for six weeks straight up until the first day of the window. Also, always pretty funny to hear spoiled narcissists like Slater complaining about the conditions that, guess what, were exactly the same as those the guy who beat you had to serve. Sidebar, and as a Brit, I am biased, but big fan of Paul Evans in the booth, especially compared with you-know-who. Speaking of, my favorite moment from Chaz's road trip, which was itself a highlight of last year, was when having his patience tested with mechanical issues at truck stops, he asked rhetorically, what would Joe Tapel do? And I thought this would make a great segment. Tools to live by sounds quite a lot like trust in us, which itself was a lot like peril or nah. By the way, last week's about what to call your in-laws was great, so here's a related one. Though I, so I think you know what you're going to say. I've got a friend who calls his parents John and Mary. So, barrel or nah, ditching mum and dad and calling your parents by their first names. In fact, now that I come to think of it, I know two or three people who do this. Finally, quick ballet writing question for Chaz. The late journalist John Diamond said, there is no human emotion that can be expressed by a man wearing a pair of tights that can't be better and more efficiently expressed by a man with a word processor. 
discuss. Love the show, guys. Keep up the work. Get barreled. Uh, we're going to save that exact barrel and off for the end of the show. So do not address that now. What a fine, fine <laughs> call. What a fine call. Toby, call in anytime. Toby in Portugal. Does it ever, have you ever encountered a, um, somebody with an accent, English speaker, who sounds like they're an American using a British accent? Yes, like of course. Like I was yeah. like, this guy, he's faking a British accent, isn't he? It's so British. It sounds like a caricature of British it was a accent. wonderful british accent uh speak i mean paul evans will do it too uh where you'll hear hear paul sometimes and think paul's just faking it paul does yeah. a good because paul can put on a good british accent yeah. like paul both but yeah let's hitting paul first i don't know how paul I mean, maybe he doesn't want to do it but paul is by far and away their best uh the world surf league's best straight man like the best whatever uh yeah, main main announcer. Yeah, by far and away. Yeah, not even I, close. I agree in theory, but I didn't watch this event, so so uh, I, I presume. But I've heard him in the past, of course, and I do agree. So I mean, he's, yeah, he's I, knowledgeable, he's intelligent, he's funny, he's knows kind of when to seed the floor to whoever his color man is. He knows when to kind of mock them subtly. Like he's really 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 properly good at his job yeah um and also yes all of our branded segments are just opportunities for us to give advice to listeners that yeah. is what we've become known for and so we're just going to give the people what they want good yep. job identifying it but yeah i didn't think it was that big of a secret uh well what well, new it should be a new segment what would joe do <laughs> seriously that's what he was saying yeah uh, no. i'll figure out how to work that in but is it in fact true that there is no human emotion expressed by a man wearing tights that can't be better expressed by a man with a word processor? I would, uh, that's a tough one. I love the written word. You know me, how much I love the written word. But uh, deep down the ballet hole that I am, man, there's some, like, I would challenge, I will challenge uh, Toby from Portugal to go find some footage of Rudolf Nureyev dancing and then come back and tell me. I would okay. challenge the listeners to find some Rudolf Nureyev. I'll let you choose the piece. And yeah, watch. See if you don't emote. Okay. Um, the one, the question I would have for him is there's human beings who aren't talented at writing. So Maybe that the whatever sentiment this particular dancer is trying to express through dance can't be expressed by that person through writing. And maybe a different human being could better express it through word. But there's certain people would, who just need to express themselves through dance. It's true. But I would also say, though, that the best, like proper ballet, properly danced and proper writing, properly written are really neck and neck, like of in terms of, yeah of being able to express some human, I don't know, ideal. Well, when you put it that way, it's crystal clear to me that we need both. Like yeah. one can't replace the other. They're, no. They express them differently. And yeah, I, I would, why would you want to choose one or the other? If you only read or if you only watched dance, you'd get tired of that real quick. We need music. We need, exactly. the, only, the only one we don't need is poetry. I think we could get rid of poetry and everyone would say, oh, remember poetry? And people would say, yeah, oh, 
and then everybody move along with their day. Well, well, you have a narrow view of poetry then, because I think a lot of people would argue that music is based on poetry, you know, lyrics and stuff like that are poetic. But music, music, I'm going to say straight poems, and I defy a listener to call in with a defense of poetry. Shel Silverstein. Mm, Do without it. Like where the sidewalk ends, all of it's fine enough. But if it all disappeared, I, you wouldn't find me crying. Dr. Seuss. Yeah. No. Maya Angelou. Definitely. She can kick rocks. <laughs> Dude, one of the most, pro, I don't know if I've said this on air before. One of the most profound uh, human experiences that I've had was seeing Maya Angelou speak in person at uh, UCI, UC Irvine one time. Wow, really? Yeah, it was crazy, dude. It was, um, it was uh, like extra credit for like a writing, like a, you know, English class in college or something. I wasn't going to UCI, but she was going to UCI. So my teacher gave me credit to go there and watch it. And uh, I didn't really care. I was just going for the extra credit. And I was in the back of the auditorium. And uh, I knew of her, but I didn't, I don't think I'd read any of her books. I have since, but I didn't, hadn't at the time. And uh, you're just sitting there being a dumbass, you know, screwing around with your friends in this big auditorium. Everybody's making noise and blah, blah, blah. And then like the lights kind of shift. So, you know, she's coming, the crowd hushes. And from the moment that she entered stage right, it was like, it like came from behind the curtain from the moment she entered the room, this aura like concussed the room, just like boom. And there was no wow. noise made. There was no like announcement on this megaphone, nothing. It was just her entering the stage. It was just like, oh, what is this? And like a hush fell over the room and you were just wrapped. And I don't even remember. She just walked up to the mic. She didn't say anything profound. She just said, hello. And it was just the hello. I mean, it was before the hello, but even the hello, it was just like, boom, this emotion hits you. And it was just a matter, like people talk about being in the presence of greatness. Yeah. That's what it was. It was just like, this is somebody of substance. This is meaningful. And I am going to hang on every word. I don't know why, but I'm going to, because there's just something that's being translated through the ether here. And then of course, I love, I loved what she had to say. It was moved by it. And then I've since read a number of her books and they are, um, it was almost like the, it was almost like my being understood the context of everything that she had written and experienced in her life before I even read it, you know, just by her being in the room. So it was really weird. I mean, I will totally take her prose. I'm just saying could yeah, do without yeah. the poetry. I, okay. Sorry. I got <laughs> off track there. I love that. That's one of the better stories we've ever had on the grit. That was right. entirely unexpected. Thanks. Hey, Michelle, doing the video editing, if you want to pull that out into a, a YouTube video, <laughs> one of the breakaway YouTube vids, feel free. <laughs> David's experience with Maya Angelou. Um, give it a more sensational title than that, though. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next listener line call for you that had nothing to do with any of that. Hey, guys, this is Madison calling in from Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Uh, got a barrel or not for you. Um, high-performance products for intermediate surfers. So talking driver 2.0 with H2 FCS fins. For someone who is still trying to figure out a solid snap routine, uh, um, is it something that's going to help and help figure out 
where the surfer is lacking, or should we just stick to floaty shoreboards until we figure it out? Thanks. Keep up the work. So almost all of the marketing in surfing is geared at making you rip. And the reality is nobody rips. 1% of people rip, right? So high performance uh, things for the intermediate, for the lifelong intermediate. Great call. Great call. Great question. Um, I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to say, David Lee Scales. I'm going to say it's important to dabble to go back and forth, like not to live in high performance because you suck, right? You suck and you're not a pro. But like, I think you can learn things by going high performance. Like everybody should, unless you've all the way given up, people should have a high performance shortboard in their quiver. And you should surf it sometimes and you should try to get better on it. And all of that thing, all of those things uh, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a valuable thing to have. I think the intermediate, lifelong intermediate, perpetually on the next, you know, thinking that the, you know, Paisel Ghost or that the CI Pro or whatever is going to solve their problems, yeah, is delusional. Totally. But I also think the person who has given up and decided only to ride fat fishes, is has given up. And when you give up, that's a quicker slide to the grave. I hear you. I'm taking the opposite stance. This um, has been the greatest setback of our generation is what it is. And I feel a personal grievance and this tugged at my heartstrings because I grew up writing Kelly Slater's style boards from the mid to late nineties. Like that's what he was writing at that. And when you look back at those boards now, it's not like uh, pointy thruster that he's writing today. They were so rockered out, so yeah. thin, so narrow, so low volume that he was the only person on the planet that could ride those. Even the other surfers on tour at the time could not ride those effectively, but he had so much influence that that's what everybody tried to ride. And that's what everybody sold in surf shops. So my surfing was entirely hindered for a good 10 to 15 years because I was trying to ride what the best surfer in the world was riding. So I'm advocating for living like Torin Martin right now, <laughs> as if you've never seen Kelly ride a six ten with lots of foam, get in early, get to your feet early and just draw out. You cannot pump that board. Just draw, settle in to your hips, drive off the bottom and let the board take you. That's what you I'm should gonna- be doing. I'm going to argue, though, that the lineup would be a lot angrier place, but a lot better place if everyone was on high performance shortboards. There'd be a lot of waves going unridden. Uh, there'd be a lot of grumbling. Instead of all these intermediates out there, being able to pick off any wave you want. Kitchen wave, no problem now. Going down the line forever, no problem now, right? What yeah. if we all had to actually dig for waves? A lot of us were going to go over the falls and the takeoff. You know, so you got the guy next to you just looking, waiting for you to dig rail. Like, to me, it would be uh, the lineup would be a better place, angrier place. Be frustrated. A lot of board slapping, water hitting, that sort of thing. But everyone would be better off if everyone was on a high performance shortboard. And I'm also going to say, how good did, uh, of course, I don't ride, I don't surf like Chumbawamba, but how phenomenal did his ci pro look under his feet which made me think huh i should get a round tail ci pro you should 
it it looks phenomenal under his feet. Him, the Volcom logo, the rails with the color on them. The Almer, the, classic Almeric. Totally. Like the, the orientation of everything going on that board and it under his feet and the way that he surfs is uh, super classic and influential, I feel. Like this has, it will sell surfboards ultimately. It's got me wanting a CI Pro. I haven't yeah. wanted a high performance board. Which, which again, this collar to, I'm glad that he made me think about this. My high performance shortboard in the garage is way too old, right? It's a, I mean, what I have a, I can't even remember what it is. It's an old, like a 10 year old CI down there, right? Oh, That's okay. just collecting dust, but uh, a good squash tail thruster, yeah. but it's time for me to upgrade my high performance situation. See if I can't go surf a CI pro. Yeah. Well, I would like to see it um, post the footage. The thing is, you need great waves to surf a board like that at this point. You know, like, that's what you need. Um, and even then you have to be on your A game, of course. But I am going to now adopt or accept and co-sign what you were saying, because I want to smoke screen everybody, put everybody on high performance shortboards, go out, and then I'll sit out the back on my mid length and uh, get in early and often and just take everything from you. I hear I'll be there. I'll be grumbling in the shore break on my pintail. I, I, um, last year, maybe 18 months ago or something, I did get a pointy thruster from Channel Islands. It was the two happy model. Yeah. So a little bit more volume than that high, than the pro that they're now promoting, but, uh, still pointy thruster squash tail. And, uh, I think I've ridden the board. And it, by the way, Brit shaped it himself. Oof. So I'm like, oh, this thing's sick. Like it's not off the rack. I was so psyched on it. I've ridden that board maybe three or four times total in the last 18 months, damaged it twice. So I, the very first time I rode it, I ran into a kid who was swimming. Uh -oh. it, was, it was totally his fault, by the way. I had the sickest wave, like the wave came to me and I had to make this super fast line. And I'm like, I saw him swimming out. He was just swimming. He was like going to body surf, but it was like during the summertime and he didn't know what he was doing really. But I'm like, he is aiming for my line, but this is my only line. So I'm going to hope that he knows what he's doing and he can just dive under. He did not ran the fin. He just swam right into my line and I was holding my line and he was holding his and I ran straight into his thigh with the fin Ouch. And, I, and it like fully stopped me. I went over the handlebars. And I was underwater going, oh no, this kid's got the hugest gash in his leg right now. I'm going to have to swim him into the beach and at lifeguard, maybe there's a lawsuit involved. We both came up. He was not bleeding, thankfully. And he felt super apologetic and let me off the hook without complaining. And I was like, you know, I was just glad that he wasn't bleeding, but it blew out the fin box. It depressed the Ooh. fin box into the board. And it was like, dude, this is my first session on it. Ooh. So I got that fixed, rode it once or twice, took it on an airplane with me airline busted the nose and now it's sitting in my garage like for the last couple of months because i just haven't taken it to get fixed but it's like a brand new board that's been damaged twice basically you know what you should do where the nose is busted what just rub a bunch of surf wax over it and just take it out again you're gonna use use chief firewater to get it yeah. out <laughs> uh okay one more listener line call actually not one more but um another listener line call here we go. Hey, I don't know where this fits in with your podcast, but 
interesting thought I just had, and I don't know if it was covered before, but the idea of a soul surfer, is it still a thing? Back in the days, 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe 90s, uh, soul surfer, no stickers, uh, going out doing his thing for the love of it. Now, are those guys still around, or has it just been redefined to be a modern soul surfer, just anyone doing the same thing, but now for content, for a vlog, for Instagram? I'm sure there's guys out there that still rip and travel the world and have regular day jobs or your regular jobs. But is the soul surfer still a thing or just redefined to be an influencer? Thanks, guys. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think uh, influencers, vlogs, Instagrammers, all of it, Lord bless them. But those guys are all anti-soul servers, right? I totally. get what they do. I appreciate their work. Have at like not being critical, but that is not the definition of soul, soul serving. I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, I suppose, in this day and age, if somebody's a soul surfer, the way they're a soul surfer is you have no idea who they are. Like maybe you've heard a whisper from a friend about somebody who they saw ripping somewhere, uh, but that'll be it. Like you, de what defines them as a soul surfer is ripping and being entirely unknown. And they exist and they are plentiful, by the yeah. way. I think there's as many now as there's ever been. But of course, that's the exact thing is you would not know. So they definitely do not have a vlog, but they are on every surf trip that I've ever been on. There yeah. is that that guy or a bunch of those guys. All you have to do is go to the central coast of California, um, the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, Northeast, of course. There's tons of those guys that are quietly charging. Here we go. I mean, he has an Instagram, which he should delete today to really fully embrace. But who's on the verge of being a soul surfer if he deletes his Instagram would be one John Brooks from the Florida Surf Film Festival. It, a ripping charger fireman who like, I mean, the the footage I've seen from him, you know, ripping. But the only, again, I've seen it on Instagram. So he's not a soul surfer. He's a he's a corrupted, bloated carcass. Yeah, he's dabbling in the surf industry, which eliminates the soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the soul portion. Could, I would, if he deleted his Instagram, I would give him, I think, uh, co-founding or co-running a surf film festival. I'm not going to say his real dabbling in the surf industry. I'm going to give him a pass on that one. That's um, core. That's pretty core. That's core. So if he deletes his Instagram, I'm going to say he can find his soul. Um, His Instagram might be private. Mm, is it? I think it, it might be. If his Instagram's private, then we could we if it is in fact, then we can uh relitigate. Okay. We'll do. I'll I'll check and we can discuss next week. Um by the way, vlog is a word that I never thought I would use seriously. I never thought I'd embrace it. And but now here we are. I mean, it's the only thing to call those things, right? They they are vlogs. They, they are, are vlogs. That's what they are. Unfortunately, unfortunately yeah. <laughs> Well, I would like to say, in addition to this call, though, there is also what I've seen in the surf industry, a reemergence or a resurgence of the non-CT pro. Like, you know, there was the free surfing professional surfer. Tom Kern goes on the search and has an entire career after his world titles just chasing waves. Like, 
those people existed prior. They just didn't make money doing it. You know, there yeah. were, there were these iconic surfers, uh, you know, Mickey Dora or whomever over the years that did not do contests and travel the world, getting photos in magazines and all that sort of thing. They just didn't make any money doing it. But Curran kind of ushered in that era of getting paid as much as, if not more than the people who are on the championship tour but just doing it uh, for their sponsors and getting exposure for the brands. And I think that that kind of went away after 2008. So many of those people got let go because of the economic collapse. And I'm seeing a resurgence of that now um, where these people are having really, it seems like robust, you know, uh, Jamie O'Brien, maybe they are vlog related and they're kind of managing their own brand themselves. I think it's related to democracy the democracy of platforms, you know, not everything is funneled through surfing magazine or surfer magazine and being funded by a few brands. There are people doing exactly what they want to do with their surfing and then finding brands, non-endemic oftentimes that support them. And I think this is all great for surfing, like to for you and I to be able to have so many of these surfers diversifies the entire landscape and there's more boards because of it. There's different styles of surfing because of it. We don't have to just watch CT surfers surfing to a criteria. The, the uh, clip that comes to mind for me, this is, well, I don't know, weeks old now, but of uh, Mason, Clay Marzo and Noah Dean, like that triumvirate kind of, of surfer, like that, the, the fact that that exists is a, a great moment for surfing or a great, it's a great time to be alive in surfing. Again, those people always existed. It's just, we didn't get to see them as frequently as we used to, because again, platforms weren't as accessible, but, uh, they didn't have the resources to travel the world and expose themselves. You know what I mean? So yes, it is a great time, not only to be a surfer, but to be a fan of surfing. I think the other reason why that exists, why Noah Dean is doing that and Mason Ho is doing that is because the WSL sucks and they don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Noah Dean famously said, F the WSL. And that is entirely true. Is if the WSL was crushing it and putting the best surfers in the world in the best waves, uh, Noah, Noah Dean, Dean 100%, Mason yeah. would want to be on tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that the WSL sucks is actually, and the fact that these guys have an opportunity to make a living elsewhere is actually great for surfing. Thank you, Eric. That's Maybe that's what Eric Logan means when he says the momentum is real. Yeah. That our momentum of sucking is so great that there's now fantastic surfers all over the world who are not under our umbrella. A hundred percent. Here's a byproduct as well. Um, the current tour pros have become so vapid and homogenized that it's super easy for any other pro to stand out. Like Noah Dean, I don't want to put throw him under the bus because he does have personality, but he doesn't need to have a tremendous amount of personality or to have to stand out that much from the crowd because the CT surfers are so vapid. And it's partially because, again, the thing I was saying earlier is they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. You know? Yeah. So I mean. It's it uh, every before every contest this year and typically, but this year, right? I'll sit when the contest is about to start and look at the heat draw, right? In my mind, always before looking at the heat draw, there's like maybe 10 names, right? I got Philippe Toledo, Gabriel Medina, Idolo, now Chianca, 
John, John Florence, you know, throwing maybe a Jordy Smith or whatever. Like these guys, I kind of want to see, uh, I'll look at the heat draw and go down and then over and down and over and think, I honestly don't care about like other than the surface I just named. Yeah. I honestly don't care about any, like Callum Robson, I wish him the best. I, I do not care. Connor O'Leary do not care. Like most of them I go down and just, you know, do not care. Do not care. Do not care. You know, and, and almost make me care. Like it's during some times at during, yes, yeah, some of the contests, Ethan Ewing has almost made me care. Uh, like his surfing has almost made almost not saying it has yet, but it's on the verge of making me interested in wanting to watch Ethan Ewing. Right. The yeah. rest of them though, I'm just like, you're, you're all the same. You're all the dang same. You're a CT pro surfer. I yeah. know what to expect from you. Yeah. They're surfing to a criteria and it's not exciting. You know, like Joao's surfing is exciting and that's why you want to watch him. Uh, Callum Robson's 10. Did that make you more interested to watch him in the next event? No. Not at yeah, all. I, Not I agree at with all. That. Like that and, ten was was one of the, which I don't know why they everyone, again Logan using that ten as a we have arrived. Not that it was not a great wave, but it was like yeah, it was like kind of a big thick beach break pit, right? He got spit out. Well, okay, that's fine enough. Well, I think it, I it was a super super sick wave picking the diamond in the rough on that day was what made it so sick. Sure. You know, like he was the one guy who figured it out out of but, Kelly Slater and John, John and all them. But that wave even, is not going to go on and live in infamy either. Nobody's well, going to be referencing that wave for years to come. Right. Like you can think of a uh, Andy Irons cloud break wave or, or, or a, Matt, Matt McGillivray's wave last year. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. this, that wave, Callum Robson's wave. I'm not going to remember it by next event. So, Speaking of uh, not being excited to watch him, even Matt McGillivray, it was like last year he got that 10, but it still doesn't make me look for his heats. No. no. And I, I'm I'm curious. I'm like, oh, is he going to follow it up? And I will check the stats and hopefully I'll see a, a highlight of it, but I'm definitely not going out of my way to watch his heats, you know? I mean, and nothing against Matt, nothing against no, anybody no. I named. Not that they're bad surfers or uninteresting or whatever. They just, the WSL makes them fairly bland and really, truly, Again, as you said, uh, there is more interesting surfers off tour than on tour. There's yeah. 10 interesting surfers on tour. Totally. Yeah, I think we nailed it. Um, let's go to commercial break. We'll give some love to athleticgreens.com slash surf and uh, linkedin.com slash surf. And then we will be back with a kook and current submission and then barrel or not. Right, Chaz, I already guzzled mine, but athleticgreens.com slash surf. Toby from Portugal earlier said ag1.com slash surf. I don't think that'll get you there. It's referred to as ag1, but the portal to support us to find whole body vitality is athleticgreens.com slash surf. Toby was right, though. Hasn't been sick in three years. He's getting all the vitamins, nutrients, minerals that he needs every single day for optimum health. I love it. I love that he's a supporter. I have not. How can you not be? Have, well, you still, have, you, have we yet to find, we have yet to find the listener who says, you know, I tried it and it just wasn't for me. Nobody, nobody said it. Doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. And that's, a, here's how, you know, uh, it's sincere is that that was completely unsolicited feedback. He called in to discuss other things, but just needed 
needed. He was compelled to spread the good word about athletic greens. So that's how, you know, it works. He wanted to help his fellow man and he knows the truth. That's how, that's what Toby's a good man. I mean, you could tell, you could tell from the timber of his voice that he's a good man. From that phony British accent. We <laughs> All right. Thank you, Toby. And more importantly, thank you. Athleticgreens.com slash surf listeners. Listen to us, go on the website, research it all yourself, but you'll see it's just a scoop of powder. Mix it with water, whole body, vitality, everything you need. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Right, Chaz, we are back to close out the show with everybody's favorite segments. Kook and Curran first. I'm excited to hear what this one is because these ones, unlike Barrels or Nas, are rare. They are rare. And um, last week, somebody contributed the Quicksilver wetsuit one. We decided to kick it out. It did not quite fit. But this one, I feel a little bit more strongly about. Hey, guys. This is uh, Tom calling from across the pond. I uh, just wanted to say um, it's uh, uh, entertaining yet slightly saddening to hear the attitude towards kissing your, your own children. Um, yeah, curious. Um, put down those automatic firearms and kiss your kids, my North American brethren. If you can uh, muster up a little pucker every now and again. Anywho, I think I've got a kook and a curran, um, and this is the front foot leash. Uh, my reasoning, uh, pretty much two people come to mind, uh, John Roseman, Guillaume Hurdy, um, both front foot leash proponents, or the uh, person that's just suited up for the first time down at your local beach having a lesson. Anyway, keep up the work. The front foot leash. Boom. And current. Definite, definite kook and current. There's no question about it. This may be the best submission, better than any that I have identified on my own. Because it truly is only the two surfers that he mentioned who are phenomenal surfers or the person who has no idea what they're doing. I, why Why does Hurdy do it? Do you, like, do you know what the reasoning is behind it? So it turns out there's a third and he is a listener of the podcast. Who? Matt Keckley. Matt Keckley wears a front foot leash? Yes, not all of the time, but he does. Multiple photos I've seen of him still to this day. Uh, I mean, he's got, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he's got to be in his mid 50s, late 50s. Kelly Slater's 51 and Keckley yeah. was mentoring, driving Slater to the beach, right? Yeah. So um, Keckley's got to be in his mid to late 50s at this point. But to this day, he's still getting shacked at Sebastian Inlet and he's got the leash on his front foot. What is the, what is the point? Do you know? I asked him via DM one time and I asked Roseman as well. And both of their answers did not satisfy me. They were like, it creates less drag and it stays out of your way is what they said. And I'm but like, don't, no, don't it stays just, in your way. Doesn't don't you it? just straight trip yourself when you're getting up? Yeah. Are you dragging I, your, I it, mean, I suppose it'd be it the defies logic. Up. Yeah. They, so they stated less drag stay and it doesn't trip you up just by looking at it i presume that it trips that it would trip you up but i have not tried it myself so i can't really say and i and maybe 
like, again, the times I've seen Keckley doing it is when it's like super good Sebastian Inlet and he's getting, and he's in a barrel. And the times I've seen Roseman do it, he's standing in a 10 foot barrel at cloud break. So maybe it's barrel specific. Maybe. I mean, where you're just, well, I'm going to go try this on my new high performance shortboard and see if this revolutionizes this. All of a sudden I become a current. I hate to tell you, but you've just self-identified as a kook. <laughs> if you go out there and try it, there is very little chance that you suddenly become a Curran. It is again, kook and Curran. So you're one or the other. Phenomenal. I thank you, man. We, we owe a shout out to Great Britain today for that was, I mean, two phenomenal calls, but this, the pinnacle kook and Curran. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Keckley, if you are listening, please call into the listener line and set us straight. And I probably, maybe I misspoke right now when I try to give your explanation. So feel free to call in. Uh, that listener line number, by the way, I should state it is one seven six zero two three seven zero one five zero. You can also find it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. But yeah, thank you, Tom, for that. That uh, nailed it. And by the way, kissing your kids. It's not just kissing your kids. It was kissing your kids on the lips was the question. Yeah, totally. Kiss your kids all day. I mean, not all day, but that's okay. But uh, on the lips, Tom. On the lips. Call back in. Yeah. And by the way, I agree with you, though. Put down the assault rifles and kiss your kids is great (laughs) advice in general. It's funny how the rest of the world sees us and it's not incorrect. It's not inaccurate. Uh, okay, barrel or not, coming from Toby, I believe, earlier in the show, calling your parents by their real name. Great. I had a college roommate, fantastic young man, uh, who called his mother Mrs. Grant, which I always really liked. Like, <laughs> yeah, his mother was Mrs. Grant, and that was it. And so, yes, I will, I will barrel both calling your folks by their names and uh, calling your mother or father, Mr. or Mrs. Okay. What age is it okay to start calling them by their first name? Well, the way I feel that this happens is it begins ironically with the uh, child as like upper high school, maybe, and then sticks. Okay. So teenaged. Yeah. Teenage, I think it starts like, yeah, where you, you call, you use it ironically, right? Yeah. And then, but I think then sometimes you think, oh, well, that feels good. That feels Mm -hmm. nice, right? And then sticks. Yeah. Because I think it's still still a term of endearment, right? Like a child calling parent by first name is still endearing at some point. They didn't start. Like I would imagine if a kid calls their parent by the first name in like elementary school or junior high, then I would say there's like a real disconnect. Like either that parent was gone or something right like i would call into question the relationship but i wouldn't i don't call it in necessarily to question i think it's still in a term of endearment from a adult i think sometimes it is the rebellious teenager who's like doing it out of spite like you didn't you didn't love me enough and so now i'm not giving you the dignity of calling you by you know but has your daughter ever called you by your first name uh no but she's also 10 right it's not yet time, but if she does, when she's 18, I'll think that's funny. I'm wondering, I'm maybe I was too young to remember, but I wonder when 
a kid first hears their parents' first name, like that's got to be a shock to their system. Yeah. You know, like when you're in when you're in elementary school and you find out your teacher's real name, first that is name, a shock. And you're like, what? Yeah, she's a Jessica. Shocker. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's so true. That is so true. It's got to shock your kid's system when they're like, Dude. other people call them David. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I'm going no, I'm going no barrel on this one. I think, you know, call them mom and dad. They're, you're the only person in the world that calls them that. Stick with it. Don't call them by their real name. Yeah. Uh, barrel or nah, using the word vibe to describe it's decor a- or ambiance. No barrel. No barrel daily scales. This bar is such a vibe. It's a vibe in here. Yeah, I dislike it extremely. Anything. I hate it so much, dude. As a rule of thumb, anything that gets regularly said on TikTok is no barrel. And mm. this is one of those things that gets, I feel, I'm not on TikTok, but it feels yeah. so TikTok-y to me. This it is a really vibe. does. It's a vibe. The, so what pisses me off about it is vibe doesn't describe a specific type of vibe. Vibe is just saying there's an energy, but you need to describe what the energy is, vibe, right? Bad vibe, happy yes. vibe, etc. But the same thing is true with with. Uh, have you seen? Uh, oh, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Have you seen uh, aesthetic being used in the same way? No. Yeah, people use aesthetic this way too. Oh, it's aesthetic, or it's got aesthetic. Like, okay, that is what? so obnoxious. Yeah, what kind of aesthetic is it? Is it a good aesthetic? Is it a bad? I mean, you can't just use aesthetic. Right. Like young daughter, thanks to her traipse through the social medias that thankfully been cut off. Uh, but aesthetic has a specific meaning to her. It's aesthetic. That's what they will use it that way. It's aesthetic. I like it. Have you corrected her so that she actually understands the meaning of the word? No, because I'm also a linguist and think, okay, well, this is how it's used in the parlance of her time. Then having the person who's always correcting everybody that, you know, that then you're just making them an obnoxious person, but I've noticed it and it's dumb. You need to apply your high performance products philosophy to your daughter. Don't yeah. just lay back and accept the lazy ways. Got to correct her. It's a vibe, man. I, so that's the thing. If you were in the bar and you said, this place has a good vibe. Yeah. I can accept that. I'm sure. still cringing a little bit, but I can accept that. But if you just say this place is a vibe, we're not friends anymore. I'm leaving. No, done. Over. Leave, yeah, and I'm leaving down. you with a check too. Yep. Okay. Final barrel or not comes from a listener. And uh, I think you might have an opinion on this one. Hey guys, this is AJ from San Diego. I have an important barrel or not for you guys. This has implications for the planet, uh, for emissions and pollution and all that because it has to do with washing your clothes. I've really enjoyed your advice for fashion and how to wear clothes and what to do with clothes. But the question is, how often do you need to wash your clothes? Is it the smell test? Is it different for pants or for shirts? Or based on the quality of the pants or the shirt? Because if it's every time, that's a lot of use, that's a lot of detergent, a lot of energy. Not enough. It's going to be disgusting for everybody around you. It's something I'm really struggling with. I want to look good. I want to smell good. I also want to do good for the environment. So I really hope you guys do this barrel or not. Thanks so much, dudes. Keep up the work. Love you guys. Quite the conundrum. 
I like that AJ from San Diego was calling us, though, from such a lush tropical rainforest with birds just chirping everywhere. Okay. He's so, living the life. Now, I've got, this is a long, this is so important, AJ. Uh, you're exactly right. But there's so many different. Okay, so it depends on climate, right? How often you wash. It depends on definitely, as you said, what you're wearing it or or quality of what you're wearing it depends on you know like the piece of clothing itself so i'll say in cold climates you don't have to wash nearly as much in in like snow climates right in super hot climates also i find you don't have to wash nearly as much right everything's going to get sweaty within a few minutes anyway so what's a little more you know a little more sweat than less it's all the same right so less washing there. I think the sort of California climate is the biggest conundrum. And for me in my house, of course, it's smell test. Pants go, you can go, depending on the pant, uh, between, I don't know, I'm going to say 10 days and a month per pair of pants. If you have- Don't, don't wash it prior to 10 days. Yeah. I mean, if you really like getting them grubby, that's one thing, right? I'm just saying where, like- you put on, I'm saying like no stains, no food yeah, drip yeah, yeah. all over them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 10 days to a month per pair of pants. Uh, if it's a pair of raw denim, then never wash, right? You wear those without ever washing once in a, like your hair, never wash it. Shirts. I'm usually a, uh, two wears per shirt kind of guy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it depends again on what you're doing in that shirt, but just an average day of wearing, I feel you can you can throw it on the next day and get some mileage out of it too. Uh, socks these days, I go two days per pair. Uh, and underwear, I am a one. I go two days on underwear too. You are out of control, dude. I mean, I'm saving the environment, man. Yikes. Yeah. Save your you? wife. Save your, save your dignity. If there's, if there's like a physical activity involved, then that for the socks and underwear, that changes drastically. But if you're like, honestly, sitting around in your office for one day, put on a pair of underwear on next day. Take they it for an inside office out. You don't even have to do that. Just take it for an office run. Go inside out, then I switch front to back, then I go inside <laughs> out, front to back. That's day four. Uh, so I presume like an over shirt, like a flannel or a sweatshirt or whatever, then those are on the 10 day program as well. Definitely. You're, okay. you're, you're over your shirt and your pants are on a... 10 a month program. Okay. Yeah. I uh, differ on a few of them. Underwear and t-shirts. I'm absolutely washing after one wear. Full day's use requires a wash for me. Okay. Like, so if you start staggering it though, this is where I think you can find a greater value. So for example, if you put a t-shirt on in the morning and you wear it and then you change it later midday, now you got a couple t-shirts in rotation, right? That so yeah. you can throw that earlier one on again the next day and you can also throw the later one on and I think you can even go into a third day with that program. If you well, start that's, that's the only way that you beat the one wash then because two t-shirts a day and then washing them every two times is the equivalent of wearing one t-shirt a day and washing it once. No, but I'm saying this is when you start getting into if you have like three t-shirts in rotation in a day I think you could wear three t-shirts for one week with well, rotation. Okay. Well, I 
the reality is I don't, I'm not worried about the environmental impact that much because the t-shirts and underwear don't take up a lot of room in the washing machine. Yeah. I honestly have to do one load of laundry every week in a half currently on that, in my rotation. So that's nothing. You know what I mean? I think maybe I have a high capacity washer and dryer or something like that, but I, I'm not really worried about that impact, but I agree with you. The heavier items, jeans, I honestly don't wash. I mean, until I spill something on them, you know, like they go a month often without me washing them. Um, And sweaters and stuff like that. Yeah. They don't get there once a month as well. So, I mean, and if you get, again, quality really saves you here. I have a pair of great wool comb de garçon pants, which are not machine wash anyway, uh, but I'll get those dry cleaned once every six months. Yeah. Wear them often. Yeah. Light items, thin items, socks, underwear shirts one wear one wear and wash that's my recommendation i'm gonna say i'm gonna say go for two aim for two and see how see how it does you yeah i don't think i will i think i I landed on this conclusion with a pretty strong conviction this wasn't happenstance so i don't need to retest it there was a lot of testing done in my 20s but i think i've also gotten cleaner you know what i mean like I used to spill stuff probably on me more frequently. I'd be eating while I was driving when I was in my twenties and I'd spill a sandwich on my lap or something like that. Sure. That just doesn't happen that often anymore. So the outerwear stuff, like the jeans and the that stuff, I don't need to wash anymore. And I'm probably more hygienic as well. So that first layer gets washed, but nothing else gets soiled really. I hated doing laundry so much in college that uh, I had a shared an apartment with some friends. There was an upstairs room in the apartment and we would just all throw our dirty clothes into garbage bags and throw them up there. And that room got super hot. And after a couple months, you go back, you run out of clothes. I mean, way earlier than that. But like the you go up there to that room. And if those garbage bags stayed closed in a hot room long enough, I swear it washed itself. It like it smelled kind of uniformly not great, but none of it was like super stinky. So you back in, back on. Dude, nothing. There is a unique brand of stank of the like sweaty teenage boy teenage to like 25 year old boy that's gross that is not good man it is unique it's like oh that's exactly what a uh like a boy becoming a man who's like now sweating and greasy and eats has a bad diet so that's all coming out the pores and the clothes smell that way the room ends up smelling that way not a good thing no not a good thing All right. Well, hey, hopefully we did some good work here today. Um, And thank you so much to our sponsors, athleticgreens.com slash surf, linkedin.com slash surf. Thank you to all of our $5 a month supporters. I know Toby in Portugal said he's not going to jump on board until we stop buying fancy sheets and IV drips. Toby, I cannot promise you that those purchases will not be made, but I can promise you that they're usually made out of our wives' accounts. It's true, Toby. Boom. So your five bucks goes directly into purchasing um, uh, hardware, software, paying taxes, by the way, that's coming up real soon here. (laughs) That's daunting. So, all right. Well, hey, thank you, Chaz. Um, Anything else you got to shout out? Thanks to the Ripper and Drummer Dave. Truly, truly. Yeah. In memoriam. Thank you, the Ripper. Drummer Dave, we love you. We'll miss you. And uh, yeah. All right. Everything else, find on beachgrit.com, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and we will be back again next week. Until then, 
bon voyage. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.